Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this content with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Clear Springs Baptist Church. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Lord, this morning, I'm, I'm thankful that um, salvation's of the Lord. When I could not be saved in myself, he made a way. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We are, of course, in our theme of being completely dependent on God in everything. We're in a series. I don't know how much longer this will be. I'll just sort of take it week by week with the Lord. Um, but it runs in the family. It runs in the family. Uh, talking about the sense of the things that we as believers need to be instilling in our family that our families need to be rooted in that certain spiritual things are carried on not just in this generation but generations to come. You know, last week we dealt with a message that it starts with you. It starts with you. If something is being continued today, it had a beginning. Amen? And so one of the greatest things I think that you can have continuing your family, one thing we're going to be looking at this morning is this, evangelizing your home. Can I get an amen? Evangelizing your home. Second Timothy, we're going to continue a leaning or, or um, gleaning from Timothy's life and how he became the man that he was. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen. We'll read those and pray, and we're going to beg for God's help because we need God's help this morning. We need His help. I pray as we look at Scripture this morning. This is the approach everyone should be, including myself. As I approach my study, I must set aside every biased presupposition that I may have. And look at God's word afresh every time. It's easy to allow outside influences to sway how you see something. Amen? Let God be true and every man a liar. So we, we, we need, I'm not saying don't have confidence in man, but check man. Okay? When they're preaching and teaching you the word of God. And I'll encourage you this morning, check every word I say to God's word. Amen? Amen. All right. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. God's word says this. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child, child thou hast known what? The holy scriptures which are able to... Let's say this, these next few words. Let's say the rest of the verse together. Ready to begin. Make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we need you this morning. I need you in a desperate way. I need you, Lord, to speak through me. And Father, there's going to be things in this passage 
and other verses that we're going to look at that's going to speak very plainly to us. But there's going to be things, naturally are, that our flesh will not like. Our flesh will even try to deny them. But Father, I pray that you will help us. That you'll help us see that what is said in your word always stands true. And that we will understand today that our homes are in desperate need of evangelism. But Father, I, I pray that parents and grandparents and everyone that makes up their family and their home, that if they're believers in Christ, they have repented and placed a depending faith in Christ alone. Father, I pray that, that you would help them to see today that their calling is to evangelize and disciple their home with your word. It's no one else's job but theirs. First and foremost, it's their job. And I pray that we will be convicted if we're not doing it. I pray that we'll be encouraged if we are doing it. And I pray, Father, if we're missing it, that we'll be reminded to pick it back up and continue. We need the Scriptures central. Central in our home. Without the gospel, without the word of God, there is no faith that, that can be given to us. Faith cometh by hearing. So I pray that we will see the need of evangelism today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know how many have had this blessing before in their life, but if you had a mom and dad that took time to teach you God's Word, you know what you are? You are blessed beyond measure. Amen? Now, there's some that don't always get that privilege. And God knows who they are. And I'm thankful for those that are outside that love lost sinners, that love the home, that reaches the home when parents have no desire to reach their own home. I'm thankful for that. What I want us to see this morning, looking at the text, we learned last week about Timothy's home life. We, 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 we were introduced to his grandmother and his mother. Uh, we understood that his grandmother taught his mother the word of God, the gospel of Christ, and his, his mother become a convert. We understood these converts, you know, Paul came in contact with them and found these, these, these women come to faith in Christ. And Timothy, you'll find, was taken under Paul's wing. But the first grounding in the faith and his conversion, the roots of it all, were at home. Now, Paul, if you'll look in verse, um, in verse 14, he said, Be assured in knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, Timothy learned a lot from the Apostle Paul. Amen? He was under Paul's wing. He learned how to live the Christian life. He learned that. He learned the power of the gospel in his life. But if you'll go on and look, he said, he said this, And that from a what? Child. Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Someone in Timothy's life, when he was a child, loved him enough to teach him God's Word. To teach him about the condition of man. To, to teach him about the grace and salvation of the Lord. To teach him how completely dependent he is 
on God for salvation, security, and deliverance throughout his life as a believer. You'll find that, that all of this teaching not only made him wise into salvation, but we're going to learn the things that even helped him later on. All right? So understand this this morning. Your home needs your evangelism. Parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, this is your commission. All right? So we're going to unpack a few things this morning. The reason why we need it, or the need. The work of it and the fruit of it. All right? The need, the work, and the fruit. Okay? If you pray real hard, we won't be long. And we'll see how, see how fervent prayer warriors we are this morning, how long we go. But all joking, that, that's, that's comical, by the way. I had Brother Reggie send me an image. I meant to put it on the screen. It showed two bullets colliding in, in a past war. I can't remember. He, he, said, uh, he said, the odds of this, of those two bullets colliding, are the odds of the sermon being short today. All right, got a little more laughter there, so I feel better about that. All right, evangelize, evangelizing your home. Let's look at the need, all right, the need. So look back at the text. That's why we read it, is to preach from it. Notice what it says. From a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to, what's the next word? Make the wise unto something very needed, which is salvation through, what's the next word? Faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The first thing that I want us to look at is the condition of man. You see, a lot of times, you, could, you know, we could preach about evangelizing your home, but depending on how you evangelize your home is depending on how you see the need of that child or that person in your family. If you, don't un, if you don't understand the condition of man and what they need from God to be saved, then you're going to misevangelize. You'll give the wrong message. Amen? If you see a problem, you want to know the full nature of the problem so you know how to fix the problem, right? You know, my dad went to the hospital. He, he fell and hurt his knee. In the way to know the kind of treatment that he needs to repair the knee, he had to know the actual state of his condition. Are you with me? And the most important condition that we need to understand today is man's condition. Now, man's full of pride. I'm going to tell you this. Man likes to think he can do things on his own. But we're going to see in the Word of God, there's some things that you can't do on your own that God must work. Amen? God must work. And so, Romans 3.23, I've got some verses. Um, um, this one I'm going to just show you for lack of time on the screen. And some I'll have you turn to. But Romans 3.23, we all know. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? For all. And in this sense, it means all of humanity. All we see has fallen short of the glory of God because of the original sin of Adam. We're all sinners because of Adam. That is where the condition comes from, is from Adam. That means Timothy, when he was a child, was, 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 a, was, a, was a sinner. Amen? And when, when I, when, there was a time when I was a lost sinner. And this child, that, this child that, that God is allowing us to bring into this world, you know, what you know what they are? They're a sinner. Amen? The condition. There's going to be a time where God is going to hold every child, every person accountable. Amen? So all have sinned and come short of the glory 
of God. I did nothing to fall short other than be a human. My connection to Adam, I've inherited the sin nature. I am that. Now, I want you to look at Colossians 2 and verse 13. This is really where it's going to hit your pride square between the eyes and to understand we need God this morning for salvation. We need Him. Colossians 2.13, I think I've got it behind me here. And you being, what's the next word? Dead. In your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath He, which is God, what's the next word? Quickened or made alive together with Him, having forgiven you um, all trespasses. Let me ask you a question. What can a dead man do? Absolutely nothing. You can go over there and try to shake him, but you're not going to wake him up. Right? Humanly speaking, I can't do that. That dead man you're going to find cannot see anything on his own. Right? He's dead. Can't talk to you, can't respond. He is dead. The Bible says, and you being what? Dead. There's, you can go to the Greek and look at that. It means dead, without life. And it's not talking about the physical sense. It's talking about the spiritual sense. Man cannot save himself. All right? You are dead in your sins. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. All right? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I don't have this on the screen, so I want you to turn and look at this. Ephesians 2. 1 through 5. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. I want you to see this. Pay close attention. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. It says, And you, and you hath he what? Quickened, right? So you see that again. Made alive. Who were what? Dead. See that again. In trespasses and sins, wherein in time past she walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now I want you to notice this verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. In our flesh. All that you had in your flesh was death. And that was your conversation. That's what you were seeking. All right? Fulfilling the desires and of the mind. And notice this. And were by what? Nature. The children of wrath even as ours. So I want you to understand this. Let me give you an example. What does a buzzard like to eat? Dead stuff. Why? That's its nature. Right? Let me just ask, anybody been to Malone's, Malone's Steakhouse? Anybody get their salad? It's good, ain't it? I don't know if he's had it or not. He was a little lingering. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, Michael. I'm joking. I have a cousin who loves the, the salads you get at Malone's Steakhouse. I'll take a picture and send it to him, make him as mad as he can be. But it's good. You don't, if you may not like salads, you'll like this one, I'll guarantee it. It's good. You may just like a good steak cooked to the way you like it, right? Well, let me just say this. A buzzard likes dead stuff because of its nature. Now, if you took 
your favorite dish, cook the way you like it, or even take that salad I was talking about, and you place roadkill in front of that buzzard, and you face that salad or just a good cooked steak, which one's he going to choose? The dead stuff. That's his nature. What's a dead man's nature? Death. What I want you to see this morning is the desperation of evangelism in your home. This child that's coming in this world in my home is going to need more than me. I, I can't save my child. I can't change the condition of my child. But I know who can. Amen? But on their own, they are dead. By nature, they only seek dead things. They only seek the things that in nature. They need God to change their nature. Amen? Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. But notice this, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith, he loved us even when we were what? Dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Folks, I'm telling you this morning, I cannot within my own power change my will to come to God. God must work in me. I am dead. A dead man can't do nothing unless God moves first. Amen? That's why we say many times, salvations of God, God must Draw. Let me give you that verse. John 6, 44. I think I've got that one on the screen. No man can what? Come to me except the Father which has sent me. What's the next word? Draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. A dead man on himself can't get out of the grave. But someone that's spiritually dead cannot change himself. You'll find in John 6, Jesus says, No dead man can come to me unless God draws him to me. You know what the word draw means? You may not like this, but the flesh won't like it. But notice how dependent you are on God to change your nature and change your will to want God. Notice this. The word draw. And you can go get your concordance and proof this. The word draw means to drag. To haul in. Lead with force. God must bring you to a place where you know your sin and you know His grace that you may believe and trust in Him. You can't come to God on your own. There's not a baptismal pool. There's not a work or an offering that I can do to change my dead position. It must be a work of God. Amen? I can't do it. I have no ability to believe or trust Him outside of God dragging me to a new nature that I may trust Him. That is Scripture. We see that plain. So Paul, if you go back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he said these Scriptures have made you wise, made you wise unto salvation. Because the only wisdom you had before was the wisdom of the world, but Scriptures have made you wise to see salvation. God uses His Word. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing. Them by hearing. So the condition of man. But secondly, we see they're deceivers. If you go back and you look at the, you know, verse 1 up to where we picked up and started this morning, Paul talked about perilous times, talked about lovers of, um, of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, that's verse 2, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, and the list goes on and on and on, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, right? And he goes on to say that there are deceivers, all right, they're deceiving and being Deceived, you look at verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Timothy, you see, Paul, Paul's getting ready to die not too long from now. And he said, Timothy, remember what you've been taught, young man. The scriptures made you wise into salvation. He said, but continue in them. You see, the gospel, the power of the gospel is not just for my conversion. But it's for my sanctification. It's to continue in. Amen? I'm telling you right now, let me, just, let me just give you an example. Some people think that the only way to make a marriage work is if I go and we live together for a while and then get married. You know what that does? That reduces the power of the gospel to unite you and make your marriage work. I didn't get an amen on that one. The gospel is first and foremost to save you. Secondly, it's to sanctify you. Amen? The gospel is everything to you. From beginning of birth to the day he calls you home, the gospel is everything. But they're deceivers. He said, Timothy, there's going to be come that's going to deceive. Now, see, the devil knows the nature of man. When man don't want to admit it himself, the devil knows it. And he's going to throw as many things false in front of him to blind them to the truth, for, to hinder a conversion. That's what the devil wants. But they're deceivers. You see, the, there's a... There's a culture today that, that tries to sell a different kind of Jesus. And let me give you some, some phrases, some descriptions of this wide culture that we see about Jesus. Okay? The Jesus, this, the, they'll say the real Jesus is a Jesus of no judgment or accountability. Our culture would love that, right? No accountability, no judgment. He's not going to judge anybody. All right? They'll say that Christ did not, did not die the penal death or the death of penalty on your behalf. All right? They'll just say that was just God committing the greatest child abuse in the world if you believe that Christ died being punished by the Father, Him being made sin for you and me. People teach that. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. He died the penal substitution for me. He died in my place. The wrath of God was placed on Him on behalf of me. All right, they'll say that Jesus was not virgin born. They'll say that Jesus is not concerned about holiness, just your happiness. Right? Live just how you want to live. They'll say also that that Jesus has no desire for you to have any kind of pain or suffering or trial. That's not the Jesus I read about, right? He says that I've been persecuted and you're going to be persecuted. But don't think the person persecuting you because they hate you, but it's because they hate me. And Jesus also says the servant's not above his Lord. He's not, he's not above him. He's, so we're going to face, anybody face trials? Anybody face struggles? struggles? Anybody experience pain? The Bible says that there's going to be those things in this life, and God does allow those things to happen. 
And people just say, do whatever makes you feel good. There is a false Jesus. And when you say there's a false Jesus, then we also know there's a false gospel. Now, Paul said there are scriptures, there's a Jesus, there's a gospel that made you wise of salvation and you're to continue in. But if you've got, you can have the wrong Jesus and the wrong gospel too. And the world provides that. There are many that will provide a, a hybrid gospel. Um, Christ said on the cross, it is finished. There is no more payment, no more need to make a payment for sin. I have done it all. Mark 1.15 says, repent ye, or turn, and believe the gospel. All right? But some will have a hybrid gospel of faith works, of faith baptism, or by grace no security. And Christ says, those, those that the Father gives me, I lose none. I lose none. That's the kind of saving grace Jesus Christ provides. It's a saving and a securing. It doesn't mean you go and live like the devil, amen? You have the Holy Spirit now. And I'll tell you one thing. When my daddy found out that I wasn't following his pattern for my life, you know what my rear end got? Not what it enjoyed. The Bible says the father loveth whom he chastises. Right? My father loved me a lot, Brother Terry. Yeah. And I love him for it. I love him for it. My heavenly father does the very same thing. So, there's a variance of Gospels. I want you to turn real quick, and we're going to move on. All right? I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 1. I want you to see how Paul is, see the urgency of why you need to evangelize your home with the pure Christ and pure Gospel of Christ. Because if you go to Galatians, Galatians chapter, um, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Now notice this. I marvel that ye are so, so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto, what's the next two words? Another. So yes, there are perversions, right? Another gospel. Now notice this, verse 7. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert what? The gospel. Now, I'm not saying those that pervert the gospel of Christ maybe are not even mean people, right, or conniving people, but their doctrine's wrong. Paul said there are some that will pervert the gospel and be sincerely wrong. Now, looking a little bit further, and we said before, so say I now again, if any man, that includes me, right, any man, Preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For I do now persuade men, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Amen. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul, Paul is saying this, is that there is the true gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The death, burial, and what? Resurrection. Christ said it is finished, it is done. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. That goes back to the condition of man. But it's the gift of God. 
Not of works as any man should boast. There is no credit that I can take on myself to be saved. It is a work of God. But here we find Paul is saying, if you get the wrong Jesus and you get the wrong gospel, you get the wrong salvation. Salvation is a salvation that lasts. It changes you. It transforms you. It keeps you. So let me, let me give you this statement. If you are placing your soul's dependence on Jesus and His gospel, you better make sure He is the right one. Amen? You can go to the, you can go to the gas station. They got different handles there, right? And they've got one labeled as like a green handle, and that's usually, well, it depends. There's one off color, and that's usually telling you what? That's diesel. And you could go and say, well, I went to the gas station, I put fuel in it. That car started sputtering and spatting and ended up leaving me on the side of the road, but I went and I put fuel in it. But was it the right or wrong kind? Wrong kind. It, look, it may be fuel, but it's not the fuel that's sufficient. Amen? It would be a tragedy for your children to, to, to come to, to, to the judgment and find out their faith was in a false gospel simply because you did not evangelize your children. You let somebody else do that for you. Amen? I've seen sometimes children, I'll ask them if a child's not here. I say, where were you? This hasn't been happened recently, but I, I say, well, I went, to my, I went to my friend's church. This ain't church bashing, all right? I'm not doing that. And they'll mention it, and I know real quick, Exactly what the teaching is of salvation then. Well, that tells me that the parents never cared at all to say, what does that pastor teach? What, what, what does their Sunday school teacher believe? But they just let them go. Folks, you are a steward of your children. Amen? And grandparents and aunts and uncles, you all need to chip in there sometimes when others are falling short. Amen? Now, I appreciate grandparents that do that. But there is no time for a false gospel to find its place in the heart of your children and your family. Because those things can take root and deceive and blind them. We need the pure gospel of Jesus Christ in the homes. But you know who puts it in the home? You. You know who put it in Timothy's home? His grandma and his mom. And you know why it's in Timothy's home? Because Timothy put it there. And you know why Timothy I continued to put it in his home? Because he had someone like Paul say, Hey, Timothy, continue in the things you've learned and been taught because they, make you, they made you wise into salvation and they'll prevent you from being deceived by the deceivers. We understand that there are deception. We need the right gospel and the right Jesus. And parents and families, please put him there in your home. Secondly, I want to give you some work to do. We see the need of it. The state of man. There must be a working of God to bring you to a place to be able to believe on Him. Salvations of the Lord. We understand that there are deceivers. We need a pure gospel. Secondly, we see the work of evangelism. So, Brother Josh, what do we do? The, the state of man. We see that. It's, it's desperate. It's without hope in itself. And there's deceivers and there's false gospels out there. What do we do to battle those things? Let me give you three things. 
not going to camp out very long on each one, but I want you to see them. Number one, labor in prayer. Labor in prayer. This isn't some new list of things to do, but these are the things that God has given us to do. Labor in prayer. Look over at 2 Timothy chapter uh, 2. Go back toward our text. Chapter 2 and verse 25. We need to be praying for repentance and faith in our families. Amen? Repentance and faith. Notice this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in verse 25. Okay? In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure, in other words, if He would, alright? If God peradventure will give them what? Repentance to the what? Acknowledging of the truth, okay? See, repentance is a turning from and a turning to. To, to repenting, to the acknowledging of the truth. You see, remember the state of man. I, I, don't, I do not even have the repentance to give. God, we find here, says, pray, says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, that God would give them repentance. There's a time in my life when I was lost, and then there come a time where I repented, and, and I had that, I never had the desire before. I was never at that place before in my life, but God brought me to a place where I desired, I re- desired Him, I repented, and I put my faith in Him. This is what God does. We are completely dependent on God. Pray that God will do this in your family. No one else can. I can't do it. Your Sunday school teacher can't do that. Parents, you can't even give them that. God works that in them, that they may give it to Him. That is God. Is God good? God is good. He doesn't leave us shorthanded. He provides all the means to be saved. Pray. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works as any man should boast. Repentance and faith. Uh, John 1, 12. I've got this verse for you. But as many as received into them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. I'm telling you right now. There's no one that can give you power to be saved other than God. I can't give it to you. God must give it. You know what that tells me? I I spent time last night. I spend time every morning. I spend time, God, this child's coming into my life and Andy's life. And God, I want them to be saved. But God, I can't give them repentance. I can't give, I can't bring them out of that old nature to a place where they will trust you and desire you. God, I need you to do it. Only God can do it. You know where that you know where, you know where that means where your knees need to be, dear mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and aunt and uncle. Your knees need to be on the ground begging God, God, bring them to repentance. God, bring them to faith. God, change their will that they may want you. Can I get a witness? It has to be of God. Labor in prayer. Not only labor in prayer, but labor in discipleship. Labor in discipleship. Now, I appreciate Clear Springs Baptist Church because we provide teaching, right? Uh, time of preaching now. We just come from our Sunday school time, right? A time of discipleship, teaching, every age, trying to help God's Word be, be center. There's Awanas, Sister Tori, and a group of, of ladies 
There's even children's church where they're really trying to teach them even at their There's a lot of discipleship going on, but here is a problem with the, there is always a positive and negative. The negative side is this, is now families have become completely depending on those instruments for the discipling of their children and their families. Folks, it was never God's purpose to replace the home's purpose of teaching His Word. Amen? So you have to ask yourself the question. If, are, are you only depending on what brother and sister so-and-so teaches your family for them to get the Word of God? If so, you're not evangelizing and discipling your home. I encourage you, understand your role. Understand what God is asking you, giving you all the means to do it. Teach your family at home. Amen? What happens when, if somehow, we have to go underground one day, like the first century church did, we can't meet. I mean, there is oppression, there is imprisonment. There. I mean, I don't know if we'll get to that. We may do that. But you know what? That doesn't stop discipleship, does it? That doesn't stop evangelism, does it? Because where your family is is right there where discipleship needs to be taking place. As a pastor, I don't have to worry about, oh, I hope that child is being taught the Scriptures. I hope that marriage is still rooting in the Scriptures. But if you've got a bunch of families that believe in home discipleship, don't have to worry about it at all. Amen? Because you're, you're following the pattern of God. That is where the home is supposed to be. It's intended to teach themselves the words of God. Not only laboring in discipleship, but laboring in our example. John Getch said this, We must declare the gospel with our lips and demonstrate the gospel with our lives. If you want your children, you want your family to really believe what you're teaching, they've got to see the gospel in your practical evangelism just as much as you're teaching evangelism in the home. Amen? Have you ever known this statement? Well, they talk the talk, but they don't. See, Jesus always backed up what he taught. Why? Because he operated in the power of the Spirit as well. He taught us. He leaned completely on the Father to do all that he did. Amen? He set aside some things, a person, and he, he relied on the Spirit. He relied on the Father to do what he did. Folks, it is an example for us today that that is how we are to live out the gospel is through. All right? Our children need to see mom and dad treating each other through the gospel. What do you mean through the gospel? What does that mean? What is the gospel? It's mercy, grace, forgiveness, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faith, temperance. That's the gospel, right? The fruits of the Spirit. And so our homes need to be not only teaching those things, but living those things out. Acts 20, 24 says this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy and the ministry, which I have received the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You see, it's one thing to teach the gospel. But Paul said, there's some things that's fallen out to me, so that it may prove, that it may show, all right, that it may lead them to the gospel, all right? That's what he's talking about. Romans 1, 9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. 
So here's an example. Instead of running from a difficult moment, a trial, a dark day in your life, or instead of trying to blame God for that being there, or trying just to deny that it's even happening in your life, how about this? God, help me to see how I can let the gospel shine in this troubling that I'm going through. How can the gospel be seen? That's the question for every moment that you experience in your life. How can the gospel be seen through me? Amen. Who else is going to show the gospel? Angels aren't. They'd probably do a better job. But God says, I'm using you. I'm using your tears. I'm using your pain. I'm using your struggles that they may see me. Because you know who salvation's from? From God. And they need to see the gospel through us. But I'll share you one more passage. I want to give you just a brief closing point. Philippians 1, 12 and 13. But I would ye should, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather the, unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Echoing verse 27. Only let your conversation or your life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He said God is interested. Not just giving you all pleasures or, or giving you your dreams, ambitions, all this. But he's interested in giving you tools of which that you can manifest the gospel through those, those, those experiences. He said, if I wasn't in prison, none of the palace would have heard the gospel. If you wasn't in that hospital bed maybe one day in your life, you couldn't have witnessed the one beside you. You know, if you wasn't riding in that airplane that one day, you wouldn't have the someone sitting beside you to witness. I mean, there's so many things. Maybe if your car didn't break down, you couldn't witness to the AAA person that came and helped you. I'm talking about things that God allows to fall on you, that you may allow the words of the gospel to fall on them. Amen? And so, folks, it's praying, laboring in prayer, laboring in discipleship, and laboring in our example. And I'll give you one last verse here, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. For your sakes. That's what our life's all about, for the sake of others, for the gospel. So lastly, and I'm going to end with a rejoicing verse. Lastly, the fruit of evangelism. And if you're here on Wednesday nights, You'll know this passage. But God gives the increase. Can I get a witness on that? That door hanger was placed on that lady's door this past week. And something happened, right? There was a response. There was a, there was a moving in her mind. There was a reaching out and a reaching back, right? God was moving through that instrument. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that Paul sowed, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There is fruit of evangelism. Don't think you're wasting your time. But God gives increase where seeds are sown when seeds are watered. Amen? If you're saved today, you have placed a trusting faith in Jesus Christ, 
Say amen. That's called increase. But before God could give that increase and do the work that only he could do, there had to be a work that God told man to do. And what he told man to do is this, put the gospel in their life. Not just once, not just twice, but you keep it there. Over and over again, and you pray over that seed. And you water that seed, amen? And you show them that this gospel is not a fake gospel or a shallow gospel, but through your life you show them that this is a gospel that changes you, right? God says that he will do the work that only he can do, amen? That only he can do. God calls, God, God works, He justifies. If a farmer of a field had a field and he just expected to have a great harvest, just by perhaps some passerby came by and just decided to sow his field, what kind of field is he going to have probably for a long time? Just by chance someone's going to come by and sow it for him. It's gonna, he's going to have a harvest of dirt. That's all he's going to have. But if he sees a field and trusts the, har- and trusts the one that gives the increase, he's going to sow that field with the right seed, and he's going to water it, give it all that God told him to give it, and he knows God will give the increase. Don't be a farmer that, that expects, oh, someone else will sow and someone else will water. No, I'm to sow, you're to sow, I'm to water, and you are to water. And thank God, God will give the increase. Amen. See, the voices of heaven, this is the verse I was telling you about, are currently speaking this truth of salvation. Right now, John the Revelator saw it in John 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto who? Lord our God. All those things belong to God. Not what I can do. Amen. I can't save myself. God must do it. You can't save your children. God must do it. But we can give them all that God uses to draw them with. That's your job. And do it with joy. Amen. Do it with joy. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are the scriptures center of your home? Are they priority of your home? Let's stand to our feet. Every head bow, every eye closed for just a moment. As quietly as you can, please. Just quietly as you can. We're going to have an invitation. So as you're standing there, every head bow and every eye closed, will your home be a home from this day forward? Prioritizing the gospel first in your home. Dad, you're the spiritual leader. You're deleting this. Ladies, wives, you are to support and help him lead in this. Encourage. Don't let it fall on somebody else. This is, this is the opportunity God's given you to show your family the gospel. Will you choose to start today living out God's role for you to lead your family in the gospel? Father, we thank you. We've done only that I know I can do this morning, just delivering the truths of your word. And God, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of moms and dads and families today. Father, if there be someone here that has placed their faith in a false gospel, in a false salvation, I'd pray that you would draw them to you. 
Father, and give them the repentance and faith. They may believe on, on your wonderful son's work on the cross. The Bible says that whosoever believeth shall have everlasting life. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.